Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash IOPanel. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, you can listen on your phone, your Kindle, your MP3 player, or even your PC. Are you alright, James? Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. You want to right. take five minutes and go get something, or, or are you good? No, no, I'll survive. I'll just be burping all podcasts. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's character. Yeah. guys welcome back to another episode of the io panel podcast this is your host michael speaking with me as always is mr evan evan how you doing today i hardly think that's any of your business <laughs> all right fair enough and james you with us uh i am with you for five minutes and then i've got to run uh there's a man and a bagel with my name on it they're oh, trapped sounds... together, in, in suffering sounds... from indifference. Sounds yeah. sexy. Yeah, All right. sounds so sexy. No, no, yeah, it's a yeah. I'm here. It's a great to be back as always. Love, love the love the podcast. Keep up the good work, Michael. Uh, thank you, James. That's very <laughs> weird. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started here. I wanted to uh, just touch on something that we talked about last week. We talked about. Uh, cable modems and I was talking about how there is a, a status page you can get to that is kind of like when you access a router you know and you type in its its address like 192.168.0.1 or .1.1 or whatever it is for your particular router <clears throat> so for Comcast at least Comcast in my area um, if you go to your web browser and you just type in 192.168.100.1, you should be able to get to the status page of your cable modem. And so I was able to get to it on my uh, Aris cable modem. And it doesn't have a lot that, you know, is useful, to be honest, but uh, it's kind of interesting to check out. If you want to actually change anything, there's a page you go to, but it asks for a password, and it asks for the password of the day. So I guess there's some kind of algorithm that generates them or something. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, I'm looking at mine right now. It just gives, like, system status, like uptime, Mm -hmm. uh, downstream frequency and power and octets and stuff. Mine says. Huh. That is interesting. Hardware, firmware versions, whatnot. Pretty basic information. Is your modem an Aris? It is. Very good. Yeah, I have downstream, upstream, status, interface parameters. And then at the top I have different, I'll call them tabs, even though they're not tabs. Yeah. Hardware, firmware versions, event log, CM state, and advanced. Who advanced. other, other than Eris, who makes cable modems? I have no idea. Well, and there's Motorola, s- which is that's what Eris is. But who yeah. else made them? Oh, uh, well, I know RCA made them for a while. Hmm. I don't know if they still do. Um, 
That's a good question, though. Just curious. Yeah, you know, um, all the ones I've gotten recently have been from Aris, which, you know, I guess makes sense. They're probably a big, big supplier. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, more on that know. next week, folks. Yeah, I don't know who, uh, who makes a bunch. It looks like Aris is probably the most popular one, but. I just pulled up a list online. It looks like everybody makes them. Netgear, Cisco, Belkin. It's kind of weird. Hmm. All right. Um, so, there you go. Even Technicolor, which doesn't make any sense. No. We'll do, we'll do some digging for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get started with an article about a security researcher, Red Hacker. Um, got a database of all the Mexican uh, voter information, which includes name, address, um, ID number, which is, I guess, their their version of social security number. So how this happened was he was browsing uh, one a site that we have mentioned before, Shodan, and found a, I think, a 100-gigabyte database called Padron 2015 which contained all of the voter information from last year, 2015. Um, And the reason is because Mexico has to report all the the same voter information to all the parties. So they threw it up on uh, the cloud, which, as we all know, is just really someone else's computer. Um, So it was just sitting there open on an Amazon cloud uh, AWS instance and it, some people I guess tried to blame Amazon but they they're not really to blame because they say while the security of Amazon uh, of their cloud service is their responsibility security inside it is not mm-hmm. so well, yeah, if you put a database up there and don't put any passwords on it or something or just put it admin, admin, yeah, you know, or whatever whatever they did, then there you go. You know, that's not that's not Amazon's fault. So. Yeah, they just spin them up, that's all, and keep them up. Yeah, and give you, you know, I guess keep the keep their, their end up to date and secure. But, you know, like Mike said, if you want to just put something there in the open, they're not, they can't stop you. Yeah. So yeah, that just goes to show you what uh, what you can find with using Shodan. Yeah. <laughs> very uh, very interesting website. I don't I don't go to it often enough. Yeah, we should maybe do a, an expose on that. I know James has talked about finding uh, printers and stuff, but I don't know what else you could find. Yeah, Shodan's great, man. You can find anything at Shodan. Oh yeah, didn't do you, a deep uh... dive. Didn't you find a, a printer that was open and you, you contacted them? Yeah, I did that about four times. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I believe it was uh, one in the UK, one in Michigan somewhere, one in Vermont or Maine or something like that, with with varying types of success. I mean, you know, it, it was not across the board. I got... The the people in the UK, they were pretty, I don't want to say grateful, they were just like, okay. 
And the people in Maine were like, oh, okay. And the people in Michigan were like, huh? Whatever you. <laughs> I was like, all right. After that one, I stopped contacting people just because um, uh, one of my coworkers, you know, this was happening at work. One of my coworkers was like, are you just like looking for open printers now? And at that point, I basically was. I was basically like just looking for open printers because if you know the if you know what you're looking for on the printer's home pages, then you can just find you just search it in Showdown and Showdown will just pull up a sheet of them, you know, like twenty or thirty of them, mm-hmm. you know. And you could like make a job trying to get people to tighten up your security, and they're they're not going to do it. Most people don't understand how this, any of this stuff works. So I think maybe what I'll do is I'll just start printing out dicks or something. You just have a document, a generic document that says. Please take this uh, sheet or these sheets, you know, print out like 20 of them so it's not unnoticed to your IT department and have them address the security issue. That's actually a great idea. That's a really good idea. Thank you. Still could be a full-time job, though. Yeah, 100% could. 100% could. But with enough, I mean, you know, the the thing is, printing to these printers, and it's the same thing with anything you find on Shodan, like like people's webcams. You know, the printing is not the problem. The viewing of people's, inside people's homes is not the problem. It's the ability that with a intelligent, problem-solving mind, you can figure out people's names, their homes, addresses, where they live, their phone numbers. I mean, one of the people in the Michigan at the Michigan Press, I guess it was like the journal, the School of Journalism in England, the English, the English School or something like that, the School of English or something like that. And uh, one of the girls on the page, I was like, she's pretty cute. <laughs> and I found her name, and then I found her in the thing. I didn't find her. That that sounds like I was looking. I wasn't looking, <laughs> but I saw a list of names, and I just started searching the names to look for someone to call. You know, and I called the first guy. He didn't answer his phone. I called, I called her. She didn't answer her phone. And I Googled them to see if I could find more information, like an email address. I found an email address, picture, uh, Instagram account. Like, I found everything. Because people are normally pretty bad. I mean, they're, most people's accounts are pretty, like, open and easy to see whatever you want. Like, people claim, oh, my Facebook's locked down. But it's not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't really know. You know, and shoot, from, a, from a, just from a picture and looking at metadata in a picture, you can get all kinds of information from people. So, you know, stuff like tools like Shodan are really helpful to find that stuff. And it's, you know, whether a person's going to be malicious with it or not is the question. Long story short, she has still not accepted your Facebook friend request and things no. are getting yeah. pretty weird now. Yeah, pretty much. She called. I've got a restraining order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's all kind of weird stuff up there. Yeah, I have a, an account on Shodan. I bought, I paid for an account on Shodan. How to- much is that? Totally worth it. I want to say it was $35 for a year. Hmm. What does that get you? Um, uh, Like unrestricted access to their search and filters and stuff. I honestly, I got it and I have not played with it. I tried, I messed with it the first day I set it up and I never looked at it again. And I, meant, I keep meaning to go back that. to look at it, and I haven't done it yet. We should definitely check that out. Yeah, well, I'll send that. I'll post my username and password up on the site so guys can go, yeah, right, get wrecked. No. <laughs> we'll <laughs> definitely do Amazon Cloud instance. Yeah, and leave fun. it open. And leave it open, and we'll see. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so... Um, any other th- anything else about that, guys? No, just want to you know reiterate that um, 
security is no one else's responsibility other than your own. Really? Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. Um, Okay, so just really quick, a quick couple things. I'm going to run through a couple t- titles I put up here. Um, Star Fox Zero, if you guys have been following it, I don't know if you guys have. I, I don't have a Wii U, so I'm not playing it. Um, I, I don't think either of you do either, um, and I'm not a huge console gamer. But, you know, it's kind of exciting to hear that Star Fox came back. People were very excited about it when it came out at E3. Um <laughs> Some things have come out of it. Uh, There's an article, a link here we're going to post in the show notes that just talks about the the president of the Star Fox dev team, Platinum, uh, which Platinum has made a bunch of weird games. They're a pretty popular uh, gaming producer out of Japan. Um, They came together with Nintendo to make this version, make this game. There's lots of complaints about it right now. Lots of people having a lot of problems with it because they feel like the game is... uh, the controls are clunky and junky and it's not fun to use and, you know, the UI is not great and things like that. Um, I watched a few videos on it. Honestly, if you're a Star Fox fan, the game looks amazing. You know, it looks like a Star Fox player's delight. So um, definitely something to be looked at there. Um, the, the One of the videos, guy, one of the guys who I watch his game reviews pretty often, he had nothing but great things to say about the game. He said that it is clunky and hard to use, but if you take the time to use it, use it to and to play and to kind of like you invest the time to learn the controls well, you'll find that the game is actually very well thought out. Um, I think one of the big problems is it apparently goes from the console view to the game to the main game view in certain modes. Uh, I don't again, I don't have a Wii U, so I can't really. Uh, quantify that as to what it, that means exactly but I guess if you have a Wii U it means you're going from the from the controller to the game view I don't really know but um, that's a lot of pr- a problem for a lot of people but I mean one one reviewer said that it kind of takes advantage of the full advantage of what Wii U can bring to the table so kind of interesting um, if I get the chance to play it I would love to play it because I'm a huge Star Fox fan but you know um, when I watched the video, and you know, other than the novelty of having a, a Wii U with, you know, like I guess two interfaces or something, it's definitely a Star Fox game. I saw the ship transform into like a T Rex biped kind of, um, not organism thing, a thing transformed into a thing. But the just by the looks of it. Well, the cost is $60, which unfortunately seems to be the going rate for a lot of new games. Sadly, yeah. But if you just look at it, and if you look at it and didn't know it was Star Fox, you would think, oh, that's like a $15 indie game on Steam or something. Yeah. It doesn't look spectacular. But the graphics power of the Wii um, devices are not spectacular as far as I know. No. But to me, like... I. Unless you just you're just a diehard Star Fox fan and you're gonna spend sixty dollars for nostalgia after you've already spent you know money on uh, Wii U, it it didn't look impressive. No, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I would say that's probably another big issue. I mean, look, to me, I feel like Nintendo's been falling off for years, um, and this is just another great example of that. Um, the game looks really cool. But it looks cool through the lens of like play have having played Star Fox on Nintendo 64 million years ago, right? And that then it was really cool and it looked really awesome, and it it's nostalgia, you know. It it, it kind of pulls nostalgia strings. You 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 look at it and you're like, yeah, this is this is the same game I played, you know, 
15 years ago or whatever. So mm-hmm. if, in that sense, I think it works. I think it works really well. Um, and that's who it's going to appeal to. It's going to appeal to the nostalgia fans. That's why, to me, the Star Trek Zero thing came out and kind of went under the radar. Like, we're like, what's okay? Like, we just, we're, we're only hearing about it because a lot of people are disgruntled. A lot of people don't like the game. And the president of, of uh, Platinum stepped down. Um, not he didn't step down because of poor performance. He stepped down because he wanted to work on another project. And honestly, that might be just them what they're saying. You know, we don't know. Um, but the, the, all the press releases are saying he stepped down to work on another project. So the link will be up there. You guys can parse that however you want. Um, but yeah, not, nothing too exciting there. I mean, it, it's a missed a missed opportunity by Nintendo. They've got a overall. This is just a great example of how Nintendo's got to step their game up to do something better in the future. Otherwise. You know, Japan might as well fall completely out of the console market. And Sony's already like a second, a second place contender. But uh, you know, Nintendo's basically going to fall right out of the market. You know, they'll be down there with Sega. You know, making games probably, <laughs> and you know. I wonder well, if they're you're forgetting mean, about their uh, handheld. Yeah, the the handheld that everyone hates. The 3ds. The 3ds. Who hates it? Everybody hates it. Says who? D. I haven't heard that. D said it. D's nuts. Got him. Get <laughs> me. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... Okay, so here's a funny thing about the 3DS, right? I was talking to a coworker of mine whose his kids have 3DSs. And he's telling me the 3DS is so awesome, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, the 3DS just looks lame, man. When are they going to update the thing and whatever? And, it's and you know, do people really play games on con- on those handheld consoles anymore? And he's like, dude, it has, like, head tracking, and it's, like, got a connect inside it and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he's like, you can do all this hologram gameplay with it. I'm like, what are you talking about? So apparently there's a lot to do with the 3DS that I think the uh, – I, I don't know. I'm probably looking at this as like looking as like a regular gamer would look down on on handhelds and consoles. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, filthy casual playing with a con- with a handheld. You know, so I don't know. It's probably great. I'll never be a fan of it just because I don't get it. Like I'm not gonna look at a tiny screen and hold on to it. Like I'm not. You know, I guess if you're a little kid, it's great. If you're a kid and you have nothing better to do, and you know, it's between you're between consoles. In between your PC, like you're on the car, you're at the doctor's office, you know, whatever. Well, I think uh, I think the the 3DS probably is popular, but what they do have to compete with is mobile phones now. Yeah. Right. So there are a lot more mobile phones than there are Nintendo 3DSs out there. Very so. true. I think Nintendo needs to make a good. Like a good next-gen console, man. You know, and stop screwing around with all this, like, kitty, like, freaking Disney stuff and freaking Mario. Like, redo, like, a, a good rehash of Mario, new gritty gameplay. <laughs> it sounds weird, right? Gritty, gritty gameplay. Yeah, like, Mario has to slit Yoshi's throat or something like that to pull, like, freaking his vocal cords out to use those as the key to get into the gold castle or something like that. You know, like, that would be, I'd play that game. You know, well, that's why they have Smash Bros. And a gritty sex scene between uh, Princess Peach and Luigi, you know, with anal or something. I, like, I'd want to see that. I'll watch, I'll watch that. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael's like, wow. <laughs> I'm joking, folks. I would totally not watch that. Maybe. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah, check it out. Fast forward through it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know. They need to do something, though, man. They're going to lose. They, put it this way, I think, here's the thing. I think more people are gaming now, but when you have stuff like uh, the most recent uh, Kojima game, uh, I forgot what it's called, uh, the, the most recent Metal Gear Solid, and you've got console games, and you've got MMOs, and you've got Eve Valkyrie, and you've got you know Oculus games and stuff like that. Nintendo's got to do something to compete, you know, and and 3DS is ain't the wor- ain't the place because people, you know, people are going to be able to do stuff with their phones soon that they can't do with a 3DS, you know, and it's not going to make sense to buy, you know, a three or four hundred dollar handheld and then buy sixty dollar or fifteen dollar or forty dollar games, whatever account a 3DS game costs for a uh, handheld is not three or four hundred dollars. Let me stop you right there. How much is it? One one sixty nine, maybe. Oh, that's not bad. I still wouldn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not four hundred dollars. I mean, it's not the price of a PS3 or or I'm, I'm such an idiot. I'm such an old fart. PS4 or uh, <laughs> whatever the hell else is out there. Xbox One. And Xbox I don't even know how much a Wii U costs. Probably like 200 250 Yeah, probably. Okay, so... Um, well, Michael will have... Three, a f- 300, 300 300 Is that what it costs? So much, uh, I'm sorry, that's what a Wii U costs, yeah. A Wii U, 300 okay. $300, and it comes with Mario Kart 8. Ugh. How many shells can we throw at throw it a, a freaking Koopa, man? Come on. Or it comes with <laughs> From a Mario, go-kart. Super Mario... You can get the other one that says that comes with Super Mario 3D World. Nah, that sounds horrible. Yeah, another critically acclaimed failure. Speaking, speaking to the point that James brought up that more people are gaming... Um, I think that's definitely true, and I saw recently uh, an article mentioned that the average age of today's gamer is 35, so sort of our generation, and even, you know, if you have kids or something, a Wii product might be kind of cool to, you know, keep around, but you can probably find some more childlike, uh, child-suitable games on, you know, uh, PlayStation or Xbox, um... So, you know, if Nintendo wants to stay relevant, yeah, they probably should release a new platform and, um, you know, release more adult-oriented content. Yeah, because they're going to... The thing is, I think people are going to be... That number, that age is only going to go up. I mean, we're basically the first generation that grew up seriously in a world where consoles were recognized as a huge money maker and gain a money, a lot of money and energy had to be put into designing games. So, um, or maybe with the second generation, but we're the first ones who like, we're still playing games basically. Um, and I think that's going to be a theme throughout our lives. I mean, I think when they, you know, I think in probably 20 years, they're going to say, yeah, the, you know, people are still gaming in their fifties, you know, and people are still playing. You know, we can't think of that. We can't fathom that world now. But I can, honestly can't see my see my life where I'm not playing games of in some way or another. You know, like because I, I can do it at home. It's easy. I can freaking be fat and do it. I can be skinny and do it. I can be shirtless and do it. It doesn't matter. Like I can just go turn on my computer and play the game. You know, it's easy. <laughs> so I really can't see a world where I'm not playing games. Whereas though, like whereas like my dad he doesn't play games you know he's it's not even part of his freaking process you know so 
I think that's always, I think it's going to continue. People are, you know, it's not, it's not games going to be even a huger thing. It's going to be bigger than TV in the future, I think. Well, yeah, true. I mean, my mom plays games all the time, but guess what? All of her games are on Facebook now. Oh, uh, Jesus. She's a filthy casual. My mom plays Jewel Quest. Oh, filthy casuals. <laughs> well, my mom was always about the the puzzle type game, like Tetris and that kind of thing. Yeah. So she's basically playing that, but, you know, whatever the equivalent is now, which is some kind but, of Candyland or. No, it's not Candyland. What is it called? Could, could you not. What, Farmville? No. She never played that. Candy, Candy Crush. Crush? Yeah, that. Can you not find her a better platform than Facebook, please? I mean, it's, it's, it's what it is. Or she can tell download. You, she can download the free app on her iPhone. You know? Tell her to use Steam. There's lots of free games on there. I feel like your mom is really good at Tetris too. I feel like like learning that a long time ago that your mom's like a beast in Tetris. She actually is. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah. She is quite good. She can uh, at least on the Game Boy version of the game. So you know, there's like game type A and game type B. The difference, game type A, you just keep going forever. Game type B is you're supposed to clear 25 lines, then you win, right? So she can beat the game on game type B, level 9, high 5. So that's with like half the screen already filled with blocks when you start, and they start coming down as fast as they can. And she can beat that. Mm -hmm. So she's a maniac. I could never beat it. That that so, my mom can do that too. My mom can do it faster than your mom. <laughs> but James, I'm James, sure you're gonna miss can. this little little tidbit because you're not on the video. But Mike, check out what I have next to me. Oh my God! And it looks <laughs> like it's in pristine condition. It is. It still has the screen. There you go, James. Oh yeah. Well, with yeah. Uh, no batteries, but I have a uh, Revenge of the Gators pinball in the back of it wow is that yours yep they're talking about a game boy folks still original uh yeah original like stickers and stuff on the back yeah I, proud uh, of this. I actually have my original game boy but uh i think the screen the not the screen but the thing that covers the screen fell off yep because the damn thing is you know i don't know when we bought that thing probably in like 89 or something you know <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. whenever they came out that was actually my first console, technically. Yeah. Ever. A Game Boy. Remember playing Tetris and Double Dragon and mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario was my favorite. I have, you know, it's funny, I never had it for Game Boy, but I had it for NES. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mario. So I had it, played it on the TV. It was kind of weird, you know, but uh, it was cool. And it was in color, you know, which is... Oh, I mean, spoiled. <laughs> Because, you know, the original Game Boy, it's, uh, I'll call it black and white, although it's not really, not really accurate, but. Yeah, I, would you say monochrome? It's not, it's not yeah. like sepia or anything. It's like green Almost. or something, I don't know. Or yeah. Whatever color that is. Well, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I think there's, uh, getting back on topic here a little bit, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, casual gamers now. You know, yeah, which yes. I think I don't think there was maybe 15 years ago. You know, I don't think there was such a thing. Like, if you wanted to game, you had to pretty much have a console. Like, even if it was just a Game Boy 
or you know the equivalent you know whatever the the newer ones are called 3ds's or or whatever sony puts out you know um or the psps and whatnot actually or you'd have to actually go to an arcade that too yeah that's see that's that was never part of my childhood really so i never really experienced that except you know when we went to chuck e cheese or someplace like that you know they had all the Mm -hmm. games but other than that, yeah, I never really played games. But yeah, I guess you're right. Before before people had consoles at home, that's what they used to play. You know, at the arcade. James, you might know a little something about that. Or yeah. maybe Evan, I don't know. But I mean, I Yeah, my to... dad used to take me to Putt-Putt. There you go. Yeah, I think I used place. to I used to play uh uh Spy Hunter. When you have the car and the games, the music, dun 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 and you, the plane, the plane flies over and then comes down and lands on your car in the middle of the road while you're driving and drops a gun on your car and then takes off. And you should shoot the, you know, you shoot the, you shoot the guys, the other cars. I played that. I played Double Dragon. I played that at your house. Maybe you have, but it was a, it was an arcade game first. Um, play Altered Beast? Yeah, I played Altered Beast on my friend Sega Genesis. This uh Spanish guy who lived in my he lived in the townhouse on the end in my unit. I remember him. Uh mm-hmm. Ulysses. <laughs> that was his name. His name was Ulysses. His Spanish That's guy a noble name. His, yeah, it was pretty awesome. A hell of a name. Yeah. Uh he was a weird kid, but he he we played Altered Beast at his house all the time. Uh I used to play Russian Attack, uh, which was like a del- like a kind of double entendre, like you were attacking these Russians and basically you're always running through this Russian airbase. It's a side it was a side scroller. Um and you're just like I don't know. You're like this 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 white guy with a with a thick woolly mustache, and a beret on. And he's got like camouflage, like a camouflage you know, freaking uniform on. And he's running, and he's grabbing like rocket launchers and blowing shit up. And he's shooting like little peas at people. Um, it was an awesome game, honestly. I love that game, Russian Attack, man. So much fun. Um, uh, yeah, I played. Um, and that that game where you're like you're basically an A. And you're in the middle of the screen, and you're like, you're shooting things, and you spin around and fly forward and backward, and you know that game. Everyone's played that game on PC and on in the arcade and everything else like that. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe Space Attack or Space something. Asteroids. Asteroids. Yeah, Asteroids. It's come under many names, but Asteroid is the most prominent one, I think. Um, Yeah, and of course, Space Invaders played that in the arcade. Um, Yeah, a lot of Street Fighter. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, tons Streets of, Street of Rage. Fighter. Yeah, Streets of Rage, sure. Double Dragon, Streets Fighters. Um, yeah, Streets of Rage. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, Mortal Kombat, you know. Okay. I remember one time going to IHOP in Wheaton, and they had, for some reason, they had arcade machines there. Like, they had one or two games, like, you could play there. And one of them, you could play Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, the one for NES. And so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I have this game at home, you know? So I put a quarter in or however much it costs. And I was like, oh, I can't play this at all. <laughs> because it's with arcade-style controls, you know? It's a, uh, a, I'll call it a joystick, although I don't know if that's the right term. And, yeah. and two buttons, you know, A and B buttons that you mash you know, so 
I could I tried playing, but it was damn near impossible. Because, you gotta work on your uh, hand-eye coordination. Well, I was used to playing the game with a NES, a standard NES controller, you know. So those, those games are completely different, man. And, and when you play them at the arcade and you played them at home, they were completely different. Like they were made because I think that was the first time when they knew people had the games at home. So you couldn't port the game directly over to a cabinet. You had to make it so it was impossible. So you had these truncated timetables and shortened, lengthened missions or shortened missions, depending on how it was applicable, to making more quarters come out of your pocket. Um, I remember many times trying to play a game that I had mastered at home and getting my ass handed to me and being like, what the hell's going on here? And I just kind of realized, I was like, man, this game's not made to be won. It's made to be... Like the games, like the cabinet games, made to spank you, and just like make you force more money into it because they knew people had the games at home now, you know. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, at least that's what I always thought. You know, no, no facts or numbers to prove that. <laughs> um, do you guys miss arcades? Well, I, I mean, other than putt putt, you know, like Evan said, or, or you know, like Chuck E. Cheese or something, uh, I never really went to an official arcade per se um dave and busters uh, definitely does not count i mean that's the closest thing there is now yeah and yeah. they they closed the one that was open around here so. the games that dave and busters are pretty un, pretty unmemorable for me though i mean there's a few like the sniper ones and stuff but you know i mean that i associate those games with like going to play those games that are really hot in Japan where you like you're you're some spy guy and you're like jumping out from behind cover shooting at other guys endlessly um through time endless crisis. levels time crisis and uh the zombie like the hunter one where the the zombies come out and slash at you and then you know whatever and that like area 51 or yeah the area 51 like one. yeah whatever it's called but yeah i mean otherwise i don't know that wasn't the same thing anyway we're we're all over the place let's let's let's, let's uh there's, there's some other goodies <laughs> on this list here so um. So app. So this probably doesn't mean anything to you guys. I don't know if you guys follow this or not. Um, Apple makes all the watches. All basically the the OS version for the Apple Watch is now native. Um, they're forcing. They're going to force people to make native watch apps by June. Um, instead of like porting it, making I O a general iOS build and then having to port it over to the watch version, it's going to be natively created for the watch. Um. This is uh, good overall because basically the watch the watch thing is a failure I, and and I guess I put this in here because I wanted to kind of espouse my beliefs on mobile devices like watches <laughs> um, but I, I just think the watch thing is a failure I think it's a huge miss uh, I kind of thought the Android watches would be interesting but I kind of thought to myself is this a device I could live without and it's not and basically the the I mean, it is. I mean, you know, yeah, it is totally, yeah, exactly, it is. It is totally a device I could live without. Um, there's the, the the reviews and the sales have proven that point. You know, people, you know, the people who love Apple devices and want everything Apple makes, of course, they're going to jump on board and they're, they, they're going to get them. But for me, I kind of looked at it, I was like, this is so cool. But then you kind of think, okay, it gives you notifications from your phone. Well, I can just look at my phone. I have it in my hand all the time anyway because I'm a maniac. Um, it, they say, okay, well, you can talk to Siri directly into it. Well, Siri's pretty dumb and pretty weak sauce, so forget that. It's like, well, it tells you the time. Well, there's much better-looking watches that tell you the time, so that's also a fail. Um, 
And it just turns out you have this delicate, very expensive thing around your arm that's really pricey and will get destroyed, you know, when you run it into an end table or whatever, you know, all the crazy places you're hitting your watches with. So I just kind of thought, you know, it's kind of a silly thing. It's kind of cool, but it's like them trying to force just another device into your life, another Bluetooth thing connecting up, connecting you up to something else. Um, at any rate, now that I've gone on a random rant about it, uh, the whole reason why the native app environment for it is important is because uh, they predict that with a native environment, the, the watches will be faster, easier to use, and a lot of the reasons why people don't like the watches will be a bit, it'll make a, the native situation will make a better experience for users overall with faster response times and things like that, instead of like having to like kind of like get the app, turn it into like something the watch can use on the fly, and then then producing some PC, some excuse me, some phone UI environment in a truncated truncated size looking at it on the watch. Now it's gonna have a real native situation. The question is is I guess you this stuff to me, like and you guys tell me what you think, right? So someone makes a new platform, whether it's a watch or a new crazy social device or whatever, and we look at it from the outside and we say, okay, what are the uses? And we think, well, a watch, the obvious uses is telling time, notifications, I don't have to pull my phone out as much, whatever. But we all kind of think that there will be uses that we haven't thought of yet and that some genius will think of and will say that was the that was the thing that turned it all around. That was the thing that made this the best device I could have ever possibly used. It was the must-have device. Um, and I feel like they still haven't made it yet for this watch thing. It's been out for like two or three years, and they still haven't made that must-have thing yet. And I'm just wondering if making the native watch environment is going to fix that. You know, I don't think it is. I think people, I think we would have seen that app already in one form or another. I definitely don't think it's going to fix that. I mean, like, just to reiterate what you said, basically, it's going to be a slight inconvenience for developers, but a major um, sort of, you know, performance and usability increase for the end user, which is really what should matter. Yeah, Because absolutely. then they'll sell more of them. Um, I don't really know what a breakthrough app or breakthrough use for a small computer on your wrist would be. A small, delicate computer on your wrist would be. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's a cool gadget. It's neat. Like, I've had people show them to me and show them what they can do and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool as shit, you know? But it's not uber useful. I'm not like, oh, man, that's so awesome that... I need to have one. I'm like, yeah, that looks cool as shit because I'm a geek and it looks awesome, so I want one. You know, like you can change the watch face to, you know, one of like a hundred designs and, you know, I'm sure you can download more and, you know, it does stuff like that, which is cool. But I'm not like, oh, it does that? Whatever that is, you know? Sign think... me up, Jack. You know, it's like, eh. And they're too expensive. I mean, the cheapest one I've seen is like $200. And the cheapest Apple Watch one is like, what is it, three fifty or something? I mean, they're pretty expensive, you know. I feel like the faces, the watch face thing, is like just lame. Uh, to me, the coolest watch faces are like the watch my girlfriend gave me for my for Christmas. This one was cool. It's like black on black on black, and it's a whatever. It's a uh, <laughs> you can't read it. Yeah, it's it's hard to. It's not this way. This is a. Watch. It has one minor flaw. 
This, no. <laughs> this watch is for style. It's a stylish watch, and during the day it's fine. At night it's hard to read. Yes, that's true, but um, it, it's a good-looking watch. You know what I mean? It's like black on black on gray sort of, but it's a good-looking watch. But this is a cool watch face. You know what I mean? Um, and like some of the tactical, like the MTM spe- or Special Ops watches, I mean, be, obviously those are the brands that appeal to me, but you know they have things that you could really use on them, and they're really durable, and they have like um, you know, the like the carbon, you know, nano glass or craziness on it that's like scratch proof and everything else like that, and shock resistant and water resistant and everything else, and waterproof up to like thirty leagues or some craziness, you know. I mean, that's cool. Thirty leagues. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> old English is awesome. Ninety-two fathoms. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that that like that's 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 awesome. But I feel like this these this thing. I mean, if you. I don't know. I looked at the Apple Watch. Not impressed. It's ugly to me. And their biggest selling point, their biggest accessorizing to the whole thing is not like well, the Google Watch. At least you can get a round face, you know. So I've seen some watch faces for the Google Watch that look like you're holding like you're wearing a regular watch. And it doesn't become another it doesn't show you the other stuff till you swipe. But otherwise, you can get like the all the little dials and widgets and things that you have on a regular watch. But the Apple Watch, because it's not round, it's square and all smooth and rounded around the edges. It looks very like bulky and like you know, it's just un, very unimpressive um, to me. I don't know. I think so. Two things. Number one, I think the biggest problem with these smartwatches is battery life. Like what you can you know why if you have a watch. You're used to, you know, if you have um, a battery-powered watch, that'll probably last for a couple of years. But you, now you have to charge your watch every day or every other day, maybe. Something like that, yeah. Um, but as for any I mean, innovation... people are used to that with phones, so it's not a... Yeah, I mean, a, a phone is far deal. more functional. Well, like, yeah. you, you you accept that. Um, to, sure. Personally, if I'm going to buy, you know, if I'm going to wear it on my wrist, it's primarily going to be a watch so i'm going to say oh why do i have to charge my watch every day it's just going to be an annoyance you know i'm not the i'm not their uh, their target market so that's fine but one thought on innovation like what could be sort of a breakthrough for we'll just say the apple watch or moto 360 or whatever it has actually nothing to do with the watch itself but more the band and specifically in sort of healthcare. If you could engineer a band that could monitor your heart rate, your blood pressure, and your blood sugar, that could be something. And you can already monitor, actually, your blood sugar through, um, and I'm sure blood pressure, of course, by one of those things you put on your finger in the hospital. Right. Because I guess they just, like, shine a bunch of LEDs or some kind of light so where you can see your blood vessels and based on how thick it is, uh, how thick the blood is, they can estimate your blood sugar, I guess. Something like that. That's but if you could put that into a watch band, that could be useful. See, I feel like the, uh, what's-his-face watch does that? Uh, not, 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 uh, sorry, that does not, that's not any information. Uh, the, <laughs> if, I feel like the Fitbit does some of those things. I don't think it does blood pressure. I think it does blood, your blood sugar, and I think it can do uh, the first thing you said um, because it has the LEDs in there. It has the yellow LEDs. It has 
three or four contexts like on the in its band so it kind of mm-hmm. monitors that stuff and i think that's like that, that's really cool like to me that's a great purpose built device and it's small and unobtrusive you know and it's the the band is this rubber this kind of a rubber uh it's a tacky rubber so i mean you can't really like feel soft it touch. yeah soft touch rubber you can't even feel it you know when it's on you um and uh you know i, I don't wonder if we could just make a watch like have fitbit release a watch band for the iWatch. Maybe. Maybe that's a thing. Fitbit, since I know you're listening, um, make it happen. There you go. Done and done. N- look for it this fall, guys. Yeah. Call it the Evan Band. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I know a bunch of these do, obviously, your heart, um, you know, your heart rate. Heart rate, yeah, that's the other one. So I know they do that. Um, I think the iWatch does heart rate. I think it has some sensors on the back of it. I think you can do heart rate and uh, heart rate. I think it just says your heart rate. Because <laughs> it doesn't have any Possibly LEDs. Your heart rate. Yeah, it doesn't have any LEDs or anything on it. So, And I think you need LEDs. Like my phone does. Uh, it can do your, I believe, your blood pressure and your blood sugar. You just put your finger on the I'll camera flash or something like on, that? Yeah, on the camera flash, yeah. Your phone can do blood sugar? Yeah, let me just check. I'm pretty sure it can. See, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I've never heard of that. So that's if you can, that's that's interesting. The Samsung Health app is actually pretty, a pretty interesting uh, app. My phone with the with a third party app, it can measure your heart rate by you putting your finger in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and it turns on the flash, and your says, "Leave it there for, you know." 30 seconds or something and it it reads your your heart rate somehow but i think that's it i don't know how it would measure anything else um the phone itself if you like leave it in your pocket or whatever it can measure your how many steps you've walked be a pedometer mm-hmm. exactly yeah, we were but those are easy to cheat. i guess you just got to be on the honor system and actually walk Instead of like just waving your arm around all day. Yeah, my coworker does that. Are you serious? Yeah, he cheats his steps by waving his arm around all day. That's dumb. Yeah. Or I'm masturbating. Like, I'm like, why are you doing that to yourself? That's the, he's only cheating himself. Yeah, but it's impressive to other people, because then you could post on Facebook like, "Oh, thirty thousand steps today." I mean, you could do that now. Yeah, I, I could go post that right now. Thirty thousand steps today. No, but there's some yeah. believability. Like, where's the screenshot? Pick or it didn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm looking okay, at these so. Fitbits. I don't see any that do uh, anything more than uh, heart rate and uh, maybe sleep tracking. Yeah, they do sleep tracking. You know, your steps, obviously, and all that. But, now, do uh, they actually have a watch? Like, can they tell time? Yeah, they, absolutely. They, they have a watch on them. They have a couple watch watch ones. Not a fancy display, okay. though. Like all the crazy gadgetry on it. Just basically, well, they have one. They have a new one that's like that. Oh, okay. Called the Blaze. Well, I think we're onto something, so we can uh, continue development. Mm-hmm. Can you guys see my camera? Yes. Yeah, so that's measuring stress. If you, if you <laughs> it's through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Try to keep still and quiet. Yeah. 
Okay. Of course I'm not. So does it measure your your sugar? I'm going to tell you, it has about six things it measures. I'm going to just, I just picked the first one. The first one was stress, so I'm just look and see here. Oh, okay. Honestly, I've never heard of yeah. of a device like one of these that could measure that, but it says, you, it says your stress level is low. So it has heart rate. It has SpO2. So I think that's oxygen in your blood. Um, okay. It has uh, blood pressure. And blood glucose, okay. yeah, blood glucose, blood glu- blood glucose, glucose, blood, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, 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 no. You have to enter it yourself. Yeah, okay. you have to enter what it is yourself. How you would record that, I have no idea. Magic, I guess. You just have a, a same thing. You're gonna think I'm making it up, but you would have a glucometer and test your <laughs> blood sugar and enter the number. Is there really a thing called a glucometer? Yeah, diabetics use it for testing their blood sugar. Oh. My girlfriend is saying yes. Um, <laughs> yes, we are both medical professionals. Yeah, she, she is. Uh, she is. <laughs> Evan is not. not. Evan is not, but she is. Um, yeah. So yeah, heart rate, but SpO2, whatever that is, because blood blood oxygen levels. So anyway, um, yeah, very cool. Um, there's all kinds of things. I really don't think we need a phone gadget to do it. The phone, they have to find that one go-to app that changes the whole world for the phones. I mean, for the watches. But I don't think it's going to be it. I think I think the next level is make that watch as flat as possible and then talk me into slipping it under my skin. You know? <laughs> like, talk people. In, I'm serious. I'm being, I mean, let's go hardcore with it. Like, I don't want to wear a watch. I'll, I will wear, like, a 4x4 four four or a 3x3 three three pane of flexible smart glass under the top level epidermis so it's something i can touch and get information so while i'm naked i can get data like that would be cool i'd wear that you know a little wi-fi chip in there maybe or maybe i wear a wi-fi anklet that syncs up with this thing over bluetooth and i think the police can help you out with that yeah that's true I sure can. Well, if you're really interested in that, um, I saw an article earlier earlier this week. I didn't put it in the show notes, but I'll go find it again. Where they have a um, basically a wearable thin uh, LED screen, and the the picture they showed was someone who had it on the back of their hand, but it was it was just showing a digital clock, and it was like you know uh, a piece of saran wrap or something about that thin. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We're getting there. We're getting there. I think in a few years, we're going to be in the sweet spot with that stuff. Um, all right, let's jump to the next one here. This one's a little bit... This one's kind of like... Uh, we're going to jump to an easy one, though. Uh, KFC KFC tweet fail. Um, basically, KFC put out a post, and I hope you guys click on this picture. Uh, yeah. The link will be in the, <laughs> the link will be in thing. The post basically says, uh, warning, NSFW, uh, something hot and spicy coming soon. And basically, it's a woman sitting on a couch with her hand above a guy's crotch, um, and the guy's sitting next to her, and he's looking down with glee. His fingers are extended out, and he's like, yeah, no hands, you know? And it looks like she's, like, giving him a hand job. And it turns out she's actually reaching into a bucket of the new uh, KFC Australia spicy chicken. That's what it actually is. But the ad is in super bad taste, and, uh, <laughs> you know, to quote ETC News, which is where I lifted this from, you know, just another proof that big corporations don't know how to use the internet or social media uh, in in a right way. So, just a big... Well, 
two things. Number one, sex does sell. So does humor. Um, but I think that... But not it, sex and humor. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've all heard the saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Them, They've probably gotten a lot of attention because of, you know, so many people's adverse reactions to this. More than if they made a legitimate ad. They have. You're right. They they had to redact the ad. That ad is not available to be seen anymore. But yeah, they did get more. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, they did more. People should stop being so butthurt. Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 Um. Let's see here. Uh, the other quick thing I'm going to touch on. Uh, Prince died. I'm sure you guys all know that Prince and two people died. Uh, China died on Wednesday. Wrestling fans will know who she is. Joni Lawler. Um. She died at 45, probably OD'd on something or something like that. Uh, sad because she's so young. But uh, we don't know that. But okay. no, we don't know. We don't know. But I mean, she had a huge. She had a problem. Uh, she had an addiction problem, and she was a huge steroid user in her life. So, you know, there's any number of reasons she could have died. Probably not because she was she was at the ripe old age of 45. You know, so some some. It's very likely that it has something to do with pain medication. Yeah, which is very common among retired wrestlers. Yeah, very true. Very true. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's sad. Either way, whatever she died from, whatever happened, it's sad. It's it's sad when someone that young dies. Um, Next up, Prince died uh, on Thursday. He was found in the elevator. I guess he collapsed in the elevator in his his compound. They're saying compound. Um, In the uh, elevator? Yeah. yeah, I didn't even hear all that. Yeah, he collapsed. They found him collapsed in the elevator. The cops got there and they pronounced him dead at ten o one or ten o something or other. Um, yeah, sad. I mean, Prince is you know whether you listen to Prince or not, he had a huge effect in in the music landscape, and his music is like the kind of stuff that will be played for years. Uh, he he's survived by no one. He has no kids, which is super sad. So um, really, it's just kind of really sad. He's a legend. Um, so. Uh, at any rate, yeah, that's that. Um, last thing I want to touch on is this article. This is probably a little more political than we want to oh, go. James, before you before you go on, there, yeah, sure, shoot. I want to talk about uh one more person that died. Yeah, sure, good. Um, Evan, you probably know more about this, or maybe you haven't heard. Uh, you guys know who Patton Oswalt is? Uh, yes, he's yes. he died. No, his wife died. Who's his wife? I have no idea, but but his wife died, and she was like forty six. Huh. And she's I, I think she's some know. kind of writer, right, writer, writer or something. Um, here, let's see here. Her name is Michelle McNamara. Dies at forty six. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, James, you're gonna have to unplug your headset and plug it back in. You're Ciloning. Oh, nice. <laughs> Is it still happening? Yep. Yes. No, we can't. Jesus. All right. Now it's gone. Yep. So here, I'll uh, I'll just add a uh, add it to the show notes here. Um, so yeah, so his, his, uh, apparently she was a, she was a writer, um, a crime writer, 
She was she had a website truecrimediary.com. Mm-hmm. It says she passed away in her sleep. Well, I guess that's so, the best you could hope for. I guess, but you got to wonder in why general. why someone so young would die, you know, and just like boom, just like dead, just like that, you know. So suddenly. Uh I guess it's we're spoiled by realizing that you know you the human lifespan doesn't have to be 30 years or 40 years or you know 100 years you can live for a long time but i mean this is like our body is one of the most delicate systems ever it has a lot of backups but you know like with any mechanism if if one thing goes wrong in the right place you're done Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, for all our advances in medicine, we still don't know or we still can't fix so many things, you know. Mhm. Which kind of sucks. Like, you know, you thought you would think, "No, I don't know anything about this woman." So, you know, if she's well, if she's anything like me, she never goes to the doctor. But <laughs> if she's anything like a normal person, she probably goes for a yearly checkup or something. Mm-hmm. So, so you would think, "Okay, let's 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 run the standard tests, you know, and all right, everything looks good or whatever, you know. You'd think there'd be a way to detect things, you know, if something's something's wrong, you know. So I'd yeah, be interested but, to hear what the cause of death is if they elect to do an autopsy and all that. But, yeah, if it comes out, I mean, it could have been she could have had a, a blood clot that nobody knew about, and it like went went to her brain or went to her heart, or it could have been you know some some kind of. Uh, brain hemorrhage or some other interruption. Maybe she just stopped breathing for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know something about that, huh? Yeah. Snoring and whatnot. <laughs> Sleep apnea. Yep. Me, me, because it happens to me. And you, I don't know, well, I don't think it happens to you, but it's, uh... Not we, most of the time, at least. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, that crap is, uh, that's some scary stuff, man. I've woken up before and been like, you know, like you feel like you're out of breath mm-hmm. and like, yeah, you, you know, you're like, <gasps> like, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, like, why am I awake? Oh, maybe I was about to die or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, that's not exactly good. what was going to happen. Your yeah. body's like, holy shit. He hasn't taken a breath in like a minute and a half. Um, sound the alarms, wake up right now. That's, that's some scary shit, man, honestly. So if, again, uh, I am, you know, allegedly a medical professional, even though I'm not, um, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) No, I'm not. So if you perhaps, well, well, let me say this. One of the cures for sleep apnea is to lose weight. So if you you are a listener and happen to be carrying a few extra pounds and find yourself, you know, being in bed relatively uninterrupted for, you know, between five or seven hours a night, something like that, but you constantly wake up exhausted, or if you notice yourself waking up, you know, dramatically in the middle of the night, um, you probably have sleep apnea. 
Yep. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't think we've talked about this before on the show, but I actually went to go see a a doctor about a um. What did I go see him about? A growth. Is that what it was? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, was that was that the doc? That must have been the doctor. Yeah, it must have been the same doctor. No, because I had that. Uh, the thing I, that time. Yeah, I had that thing in my throat. You know, I had the. Uh, was, was it an abscess? Right? Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. So I had an abscess in my throat, which is, eh, you know, apparently it can get, it's, it's kind of serious, you know? It's not ideal, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't realize what this was, and I finally, you know, I thought I had a sore throat or something, and I was like, oh, it'll get better. And, you know, after being home from work for like over a week or something, I was like, okay, this isn't getting better. So I ended up going and seeing my doctor, and he was like, oh. He's like, oh, my God. And he called in. He had to call in someone else to look at it. You know? So he's like, see? Look at this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, you ever seen one so big? <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a teaching moment. Like, he brought in, like, one of his, like, interns or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, here, look at this. You know? It's like, oh, great. Yeah. I was like, that's that's never good when the doctors are, like, calling other people in to come look at you. Um. Which has happened to me and has happened to my mom before too, which is mm-hmm. which is nice for a separate reason. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, and he's he referred me to a ear, nose, and throat doctor. Yep, ENT. And so I went to go see him, and in the process of him handling the abscess, he said, "Oh, oh, you you have sleep apnea, definitely." He just looked at me. <laughs> oh right, right he's like your neck is so thick <laughs> yeah what did he say he said something uh, oh, oh man i wish i wrote this down it was like it was like i have a it, it wasn't a big head but it was like i'm pretty it, sure it was, it was you have a thick neck it was it was at least a thick neck and a, and a thick tongue apparently oh, okay apparently i have a big tongue i don't know i always thought i had a normal sized tongue but you know in the grand scheme you know how many tugs do you look at? So, you know, I don't know, yeah. right? And, uh, yeah, so based on that, he's like, oh, yeah, you definitely have sleep apnea. And he's like, he was asking me, do you have, you know, do you feel tired during the day? And, you know, do you feel like you're going to fall asleep? And I told him, yeah, it's like on my way over here, I felt I was driving in the car. I almost felt like I was going to fall asleep, you know, like I had to be like, oh, you know, OK, we're driving now, you know, let's. Let's stay awake, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, It's not like you hadn't been up for 30 hours at the time or anything. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, it was a normal day, relatively speaking. So, yeah, he was like, yeah, that's not normal. That's not normal at all, you know? He's like, you need to, uh," and he actually referred me, he said I should go for a sleep study. Yeah, my dad has pretty bad, and he's had it for probably as long as I've been alive, if not longer. So, I mean, I've told him to go in for a sleep study. He has Medicare. He has medical coverage. Doesn't he have the machine? No. Oh, I thought he had the machine. No, he should get one. I mean, apparently they're difficult to get used to. A lot of people find it actually hard to sleep with the, with the CPAP machine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it actually lets you... I think they find it hard to fall asleep once you fall once you are asleep 
and make sure you sleep well. Um, I mean, I think that for one, I love sleeping. So <laughs> if you can get a good night's sleep, uh, a lot of things will will be better about your day to day operations. So um, I keep telling them to get one. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so folks, welcome back. Yep, had some technical difficulties. Uh, learning, learning valuable lessons about using our beta product, Zenicaster. Zencaster, excuse me, not Zenicaster. I'm an idiot. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, uh, the the man who wants to marry his map book, and uh, uh, and let's see here. So basically, this guy, uh, I, I kind of heard this, and I kind of thought, oh, another nut job, like the guy in Tokyo who wanted to marry his his pillow, his body pillow. Um, turns out the guy who wants to marry his body pillow is actually a lot cooler. Um, this guy wants to marry his, and this is the second time he's done this. He's pulled this stunt, and he's done a lot of weird kind of creepy, sh- creepy shit in the past. Um, his name is, uh, let me open up the article here and I'll tell you what this guy's name is. Uh, but basically the whole problem is he wants to marry his MacBook. The whole, it's a whole attempt to prove that, um, it's a, by allowing gay, uh, uh, same sex marriage, America is going down a slippery slope of people being able to do whatever they want. Um, it's just kind of like really kind of screwed up thing. I just put it in here for the technology piece of it. Um, and to kind of, there's a weird kind of, uh, I can't think of what the word is, but like there's a weird thing about these, the hyper conservative, uh, right. Who want to control marriage and, you know, say, well, these people can't get married, (laughs) but at the same time, they're like the biggest ones who are like freedom, 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 freedom's important. Freedom, do what you want. Freedom, do, you know, don't take away my freedoms. Government stay out of my business, you know? Uh, and that to me, I find is really funny about this whole thing. You know what I mean? It's not really a tech article just because he's an idiot and he's using his computer against it saying that because the computer brought him porn, it changed his life (laughs) and he wanted to marry it, you know, but the whole thing's BS. So anyway, just an interesting article for you guys to look at. Um, the link will be in the description there. Uh, so is it, uh, you, you have the freedom to interpret the word of God in the same way I do. Otherwise, fuck you. yeah, or not interpret it at all and give zero fucks about the word of God. You know what I mean? So, I mean, this is America, dude. You know, I don't care. Like, fucking, you want to, two dudes want to fuck under the apple tree? I don't care. As long as I don't have to watch and it's not in my lawn. You know, and... It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Yeah, and as long as they're not on my back. Like, as long as they're not having sex physically on my back, (laughs) I'm cool with it. I don't care what you do. It's America, man. You know? I I really don't care. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of stupid, and it's kind of like a... uh, you know, you can't choose. I feel like if you're going to say, well, I want free, give me freedom or give me death, then go across the board with it. You know what I mean? Be true to it. Don't pick and choose because of your hypo religious bullshit, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm letting myself leak in a little bit there um, <laughs> to our tech podcast. So the other thing is the coolest cooler. Um, this is a uh, thing that's been going on on Facebook for a long time. Uh, you know, f- 
the cooler was really super huge on Facebook, uh, on, on, excuse me, on uh, Kickstarter uh, about two years ago when it first released. Um, and people were super excited about it. Oh, the coolest is going to be great. It's a cooler that can hold your iPhone and has Bluetooth speakers built in. It has a bottle opener, has a blender, you know, it has a freaking Johnson port for your ding dong. I mean, it had everything. It was amazing. It was genius. It had big special tires so you could pull it like the guy thought of everything. Basically, all he did was take everything we wanted at the beach and throw it into a cooler. And then he ran into all kinds of problems um, because he's an idiot and didn't really do the math. Uh, he sold this thing for way too cheap. And honestly, it's more expensive than anyone would ever want to play for a cooler. Like, I don't want to pay a cooler with Bluetooth speakers. I don't want to pay any more than like 70 bucks. You know, uh, it had to be a really good cooler for me to pay more than 130 bucks for it. And I think he was selling it for 190 bucks or something like that. And now he's asked for to, for, you know, people are still waiting. Like people, they're well past the deadline to receive this thing. People are still waiting. They're very pissed. If you go look at the coolest cooler Kickstarter page and read the comments. Oh, my God. It's amazing. That thing's a total shit show. Um, no one's gotten anything. And, uh, so now they're asking people to pay an additional $97 for expedited shipping. And the the reason is, is because they don't have any, they didn't ask for enough money, you know, and, and none of the logistics to make this thing happen were done properly. And they had too many reward tiers and too many, like, that's the thing. People look at Kickstarter. They're like, Oh, it's free money. This is free money. You're getting money from people, but you know, you have to give these rewards out. And the rewards cost money. It costs money to make a T-shirt and then ship it to 30,000 people or whatever. And then you said, oh, if you if you give us freaking 60 bucks, which isn't enough to get the cooler, we're going to give you a T-shirt and a hat and a freaking picture of my left testicle and a button that says you're a tool and whatever else. And my friend's CD, you know, and now 30,000 people sign up for that reward tier or whatever. I'm just throwing hypothetical numbers out there and hypothetical reward tiers. But, you know, now we have to supply all those things. So it just turned into a whole big mess. So I don't I don't really know what what he's going to do. Um, as far as that's concerned, or if this is ever, ever going to happen, the whole thing is a bunch of kind of BS. So any, it probably won't. I mean, they'll, I'm sure they have some product right now, so those will probably go out, but you know, say, say they were backed by what? 36,000 people. So say they'll probably have, you know, 6,000 actual units go out and then it'll be some mishap of a collector's item. Yeah, basically. And, you know, here's a sad thing, right? Some other company could have made this some, you know, like, you know, uh, I can't think of a cooler company, but Coolmate or whatever they, you know, any of these. Co- Coleman? Huh? Coleman, Coleman, yeah. Coleman could have made this and been done with it. You know what I mean? It's literally the tiniest, shittiest Bluetooth speaker, a tiny little shitty rack for your iPhone, a tiny little set. Like, none of this is expensive or special technology. A crappy battery. Yeah. So I have a question. Ahead. Other, I mean, it appears that the blender is sort of built into the lid. Yeah. But other than that, is anything actually built in, or is there just a hole cut out and like a Bluetooth speaker is put in the hole? Bingo! You got it. So you could, you in theory, you could do this yourself for like a third of the cost. Yeah, absolutely. With a bigger and better cooler. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like you'd be better off going and spending, if you're going to spend 190 bucks on a cooler, go buy the 100 and, 
$90 freaking Pelican cooler that's like bulletproof and you can dive behind it in a gunfight and it also airtights and seals all your stuff and everything like that. And, you, you know, you just freaking throw a cardboard box with all this shit on top of it and you're done. I mean, there's there's tons of better ways to do this uh, that, are, that can be better executed by someone th- who thinks – deeply about it and does some logistics homework to, to deliver an actual product to people. So it's a huge miss. And a, it's kind of sad because, you know, we thought it was all very cool. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if I talked to Evan about it when it first came out, but you know, I know me and Michael talked about it and we thought this was so cool. And we thought, you know, Oh, this is like a real Kickstarter win. This guy's a Kickstarter hero. And, and actually the coolest inspired so many people to use Kickstarter to leverage Kickstarter to make products. Um, but you know, it's a great example of how Kickstarter can be a great success and a huge failure, depending on how you execute. Yeah. I mean, you could even realistically get rid of the blender. If you're so excited about margaritas, just make a jar of margaritas when you're at home, when you're packing up the cooler, and then you don't have to carry around the blender bottle and you can fit like an extra bottle of vodka or something or more beer, whatever. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's that's kind of dumb, I think, the, the whole blender thing. Like, you get the pre-made mix, and that's it. You know, you're done. You get the pre-made mix, or you make the mix at you home. Don't want and you want a loud-ass blender when you're at the... At the yeah, you're at, at the, the beach. beach. A loud, yeah. underpowered yeah. blender? Yeah, this running off batteries. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we can get three, we can get, you know, three revolutions out of it, or two good mixes, and then we're done. I mean, you know, it's just the whole thing is like, whatever. I don't happen to see any a single solar panel on this either. No, nope, it isn't. It's not solar powered. It's battery. It's battery operated, and they don't really go into a lot of details how the battery works. If it's a lithium ion battery that powers everything, from what the first the initial video said, he pops the the speaker out. Um, so I think the speaker had its own battery power. The the blender was just a battery operated blender that you know he kind of like purchased online and thought this is a good idea to put here, you know, it's nothing special. I'm if you guys want to, I'm pretty sure we could make a better version. I'm sure we could. Seeing what a failure this is. Yeah. Well, uh, we already uh, went down that road once. We did not make anything like this. It was something completely different. That was um, another misguided venture. Yeah, never made it to Kickstarter. <laughs> a story from for never another time. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> let's jump into the next thing here. This is so much more interesting than talking about our finance, our our startup failures. Uh, but there are so like? many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, CERN has recently, or a company who works with CERN has released three hundred terabytes of raw uh, data from the LHC and all their other associated projects uh, released to the public. They did something very similar with, um, I think, about half as much data, maybe 100 or so terabytes uh, two years ago. So obviously they've already done or are doing some of their own analytics. But I think if if you happen to be a hobby particle physicist with a, a lab set up or... Uh, something at your house and you want to do your own analysis of this data, it could actually yield interesting results that maybe, you know, they would not have found because they're not looking for certain things. Um, so much for like, those of us that don't know, what is the, what does LHC mean? Large Hadron Collider. It's a massive, massive 
uh, particle beam weapon under <laughs> built underground in uh, Switzerland, I think. <laughs> I see. Built by yes. Cobra Command yeah. to change the weather. <laughs> yes, Illuminati confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it was cool. it's uh it was basically I think first designed to attempt to prove the existence of the Higgs boson, which is the building block that all of all the other atomic particles are uh built on. So it was theor it's been theorized for a long time, but until you know the last decade or so no one really had the technology to test it, to try and prove its existence, which they did a couple of years ago. And I had an argument, well, not an argument, a discussion with my mom um, when she was here about a year ago. She was like, you know, they're calling it the God particle because they can't explain it. And so uh, they just think it's God. But I didn't tell her that it's called the God particle because it creates everything else. Not because they can't explain it. But uh -huh. anyways. Interesting. I, yeah. So I guess they do also have, if anyone's familiar with SETI at home, there is an LHC at home. If is you there? want to, uh, yeah. If you want to donate some compute cycles, uh, or now that you have 300 terabytes of data, Comcast will fucking love that with their bandwidth caps. You're the only um, one who gets that, Evan. You know that. No, no, no. Like a third of the country gets that. Mm-hmm. People in Virginia get that, too. Count your lucky stars. <laughs> um, but it could be cool if you feel like contributing to science. Um, but since you mentioned uh, bandwidth caps, Comcast, and how they apply to me, Apparently, they have an unlimited option for an extra $30 a month, which I only found out about yesterday. And previously, I knew that you could get unlimited if you converted to a business account, but I didn't want to pay the $250 installation fee for a business account. So this might be my way around that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd mention that it's, it's cool when a, when a large respected scientific, uh, you know, venture releases a bunch of their data to the public. Most of it is probably useless to, to the majority of people I have no idea what is going on, but for, like I said, hobby, hobby physicists, it could be interesting. Now staying in Switzerland, um, Switzerland has been one of, well, basically Europe's only neutral country maintaining their neutrality for the past 200 years. And what I find impressive is how far they're willing to go to protect themselves. So I found an article from 2012 that states, um, they have built into all of their foreign entry points, like on their borders with, uh, Germany and, um, you know, uh, highways and roads and train tunnels and everything. If they need to, like if they face an invasion, they are prepared to blow them up to make it as inconvenient <laughs> as possible for anyone to come in. That's awesome. 
Yeah, so all of their all of their major foreign entry points have like, you know, bridges and roadways have been when they were being built were rigged with uh explosives and primacord detonators. Are you serious? Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> so so uh, it, I mean, if you want to remain neutral, uh it, it's pretty genius to whether you're neutral or not, it's pretty genius to have this implemented and even more amazing that you're willing to use it, which is what I can respect. So they did, they, they were the first country to mandate, um, uh, military service for, you know, of age males, you have to do, uh, you have to do military service. I think it's just for two years, maybe for four years. Um, so they're most, they don't have a huge military, but they're more than capable of defending themselves in a lot of the mountains. They've hollowed out portions where you can fit like a whole division. Like you can sort of retreat to a, a safe haven to protect yourself in certain ways. The population is only about 8 million people. So if you figure 50% male and 50% of that, or maybe even lower, maybe like 20% of that are of military age. Um, you're not talking about a huge number. No, but like, they, but they're more than willing to basically cut themselves off from the rest of the world in that way to defend themselves, which is, I think is pretty awesome. But they have, um, like they're the same as Israel. Everyone is in the military at yeah. some point, everyone, man, woman, everyone. And they pioneered it. Israel copied yeah, and had great success. That's the place there. You know, Switzerland is the place where the guns are, your guns are take home. So after you finish your military service, you take your gun home and put it in a closet and you have to have your gun. And I think like every two years or once a year, you have to go in to get it inspected or something like that. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's more, Switzerland. It, it, that's exactly right. If anyone has the argument that, you know, uh, gun ownership leads to more, you know, murders and crimes, look at Switzerland. Like, I think there's four times or maybe even as high as eight times as many guns as people in Switzerland. And they're one of the lowest crime countries in the world. Yeah. It's a mindset thing though. They're just better at, yeah. they're just better people than Americans for the most part, probably. Um, and more, 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 uh, more nationally responsible whoa, whoa, than we whoa, are. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And that's, there's another thing. They're better an people old than Americans. Yes, they are better people. Yeah, they are. Deal with 100%. I take, I take exception I, to that. Hey, I, accept, I take exception to it, too. I totally do, too. I don't want that to be true, but it is. They have it's a sad way, they, you know, it's true. They have eight eight to, you know, eight to one or whatever more guns and people than they do. And, you know, just like whatever that stat Evan just said is totally true. And people are taking home, like, dude, there are people, people like a father will have his his assault rifle and his father, his grandfather will have his assault rifle and the son will have his assault rifle and the daughter will have his assault rifle and the mother will have their assault rifle. Fully automatic assault rifles with, with rounds and everything else in a closet. And they're, they're not going on murder sprees. It doesn't happen, you know? So the whole thing like, Oh, it's uh, mental faculties and there's crazy people out there. No Americans, you know, there's crazy people in Switzerland too. The problem is Americans freaking, we don't, I don't know, we're not, we don't understand, we haven't been teaching our kids about guns long enough to be like, oh, this is a responsibility thing. So now, you know, when people pick up a gun for the first time, they're like, oh, I should murder people with it or whatever. You know, it's like, it doesn't come into their brain that, you know, oh, you don't do this, you don't do that. This is wrong, whatever. 
you know, I, I mean, I don't understand the psycholo- psychology of the whole thing, but I'm just saying it's a, a, I think it used to be a responsibility thing when you had to hunt your own food and actually survive by yourself. Also, if you can, if you <laughs> imagine countries as if they were people, Switzerland is like, I don't know, 10 years old, something like that, maybe preteen. They're, they, they're at peace with what the reality is, starting to think about the future and, and you know, come to terms with their life. This country is in the, their terrible twos, coming up on three. So if you're a parent you know, and know anything about the terrible twos is when your kid keeps saying no and contradicting you and throwing tantrums. And mine. Being utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very true. So we are a very immature country. Yeah, that's 100% very true. As great as it is, it's very immature. Yeah, people, a lot, a lot of Americans don't, and Evan and I have both been to Europe. I mean, a lot of Americans don't really realize this. Europe's fucking old, you know? <laughs> like, they're old. Like, they, like, they've been doing things. Like, all those countries know all this stuff. You know, they did. They went through all this stuff that we're going through now in one way or another. Maybe it's different time-wise, but they, they know this, you know? So, I don't know. It's just, uh, uh, it sucks, but that's very true. And as far as uh, back on topic... Yeah, the Swiss, Swiss, the Swiss, this article kind of portrays it as like, yeah, they really want to enforce a neutrality. No, this is like a defense to the last type of thing. And they're not fucking around like this is I don't think this is about neutrality at all. This is like defending neutrality. This is I think that's a total miss. I think that these guys are like, fuck with us at your own peril. We will wreck your face. We do not give any fucks, um, you know, neutrality. Yeah. It's about defending yeah, themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's about defending themselves to the, you know, people, you know, maybe people say, oh, it's a pain in the ass or whatever to, to whatever to mess with them. But, dude, the Dutch are not joking around. Uh, I mean, excuse me, not the Dutch. The, uh, the Swiss are not joking around. There's one of my uh, favorite YouTubers, the Dutch, um, one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, he had to stop his YouTube channel for like six months or something. And people were like, where'd you go? And he's like, Oh, follow me. He came back like after three weeks and he's like, I won't be back for six months, but follow me on Instagram if you want to know more. And he started Instagramming these pictures of him in training. Uh, and it turns out he's, he was of age to join the Swiss armed forces. And so now that's what he's doing now, you know, and he's in training and he's going to be doing whatever for his, you know, two years or how many ever, his term, however long his term is. And, uh, that's what he's doing, you know, and he's Instagramming it or whatever, but he's not really doing videos anymore. Um, but yeah, I just think that's really interesting. It's just a kind of collectively a, a more responsible kind of society. Um, I wish them, they would do that in America. I wish America would make military service mandatory. You know, a hundred percent would, um, I hope a hundred percent do because it's, you know, people have no, we have all these like people who like these teenagers, like, yeah, I'm going to go work at fucking Walmart. Or I'm going to go, you know, be in a gang or whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm going to smoke weed all day, you know, and I know, our, I know I'm taking the podcast down another crazy political ramble, but <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, no. I mean, if, if you have at the, at the very bottom of the barrel, if you have zero aspirations and no uh, guidance in life, the military could be for you. It'll give you some training. It'll expose you to some discipline you know, a lot of some world travel, if you care about that, there's a lot of places, you know, America has military bases in like 130 other countries or some ridiculous. But we don't, you know, I think we don't want the, I mean, then that's true. Like that's how the, that's how the military is seen right now. It's like a place, a dumping ground for the lowest common denominator. 
And I mean, obviously there's people in the higher echelon who aren't those individuals. I mean, they're, they're people who are like highly patriotic who thought this is the thing I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to be an officer in the United States military in some, some way. But I think that there's, I mean, there's so much to be learned to learn from that kind of automatic instilled responsibility. And, you know, you hear about all these things that happen overseas, like Abu Ghraib and, uh, the fricking guy in Afghanistan who did all the crazy stuff uh, to the Afghani to this Afghani village about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, um, you know, and in Okinawa, the Marines like doing all this crazy stuff, having a barbecue in a Japanese uh, fricking graveyard on someone's gravestone, or, or like them raping some fricking Japanese, some Okinawan teen or whatever. You know, it's like, and then you think to yourself, who are we sending over to seas to represent us? Oh yeah the lowest common denominator, some hillbilly, some person from the hood who doesn't know better, who's like, I was this or jail, you know, like that's who we're sending over there. So I don't know, man. Perhaps you could institute something like, uh, you know, mandatory service, but then after, say it's for two years, but after your two years, you're evaluated on whether you will be allowed to stay in. So if you do your two years, you know, right out of high school or something, and you're one of the quote unquote degenerates and you're evaluated after your two years and found to still be a fuck up, you're not allowed to stay in the military. Well those people aren't gonna stay anyway. They might I mean, want they, to I, No, they won't. They're fuck ups. I mean I've worked with some guys like that, uh <laughs> and they're like, oh, I was in the military, but they're fuck ups. They're not you know, they had no intention of being in the military for because a fuck up does not want to be exposed to that structure. And the military just is not the kind of place where a fuck up can thrive. Like you cannot be, this is not Hogan's heroes or, you know, uh, some movie with Bill Murray where he's like playing cards in the motor pool and boning the, the base commander's daughter. Like the military is not like that. It chews fuck ups up and spits them out or changes them into, into non fuck ups. And that's it. You know, and I hear these stories from guys in my job all the time about fuck ups in the military. They just don't last. So they won't stay. They won't stay. They'll, they would rather go out on the outside where their military time means something more, you know, like really means something on the outside as far as jobs and stuff like that, if they were able to last. But they won't, they won't I mean, dude, I, I, I could tell, tell you so many stories I've been told about guys doing stuff they weren't supposed to do and getting, you know, just getting bounced out of the military because they thought yeah. they could do that, you know, civilian stuff in the military. You know, and, and look, I'm not in the, I've never in the military. I work with lots of people in the military and I hear lots of stories, you know, that's all I'm saying. So I, I wish they would do it though, because I think a lot of people like, you know, I'm sure you would say I would hate being in the military, but I think someone like you would thrive in the military. I think someone like Michael would thrive in the military and I know I'd thrive in the military. Um, yeah, I think I would do very well. Yeah. Um, and I think if they were, I think if they, if anything, they should encourage people to take an officer track, you know, like you come in and you do your grunt time, you know, and they say, okay, we've been adding up your points to an officer track and now you can go to OCS or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe they do do that. I don't know. But, you know, I think that would be kind of an interesting way to do it. So it's not like, yeah, your kid's going to co- go to the military and be a grunt for five years and then he's, he's going to get bounced out and whatever. Yeah, I don't know if it's still the case, but I do believe that if you want to be an officer in the military, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Yeah, yes, that's still the case. That's still the case. So that could be a hindrance for some people. Yeah. 
we'd all be grunts. <laughs> yeah. um, we'd all be grunts. I thought that you didn't have to have a bachelor's degree. I mean, you could have a bachelor's degree, enroll in the armed forces. You know, you could sign up, and then they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to be an officer. But I thought that if you were enlisted, you could go. You could be selected to go to OCS, and not have. You know, you don't need a bachelor's degree. Am I am I completely wrong on that? I don't know. I don't know. It's worth Googling at some point. Yeah, I'll make a note. Yeah, I put a recipe in the show notes. I called it Fatty McCloud Pants. It's not that. It's um, it's a recipe for cloud bread, which is a low-carb sort of hamburger bun slash bread alternative. It involves three eggs. Um, optional sweetener is like a tablespoon of honey. You separate the egg whites and the egg yolks. Whip up the egg whites with some baking powder or cream of tartar until you get a stiff peak. Uh, if anyone's familiar with baking, you'll know what that means. If not, just whip it up until it's really thick and is like quadrupled in volume. Then um, whip up some the three egg yolks with three tablespoons of um, cream cheese that has been softened in the microwave for like 30 seconds. Then fold the two together, portion them out into between six and eight little uh, bun-shaped rounds. Bake them for 20 minutes at 300 degrees in your oven. So my first time making them was today. I've known about the recipe for about a year. They get mixed reviews. If you're desperate for some bread, it's not bad. They look um, like cookies. They do kind of look like... Um, like sugar cookies or something like that, or snickerdoodles or something. Yeah, snickerdoodles. Um, the taste is actually pretty good. It does not taste like egg. It tastes like a very light bread. But my problem was with the texture. Since you're using, you're whipping up the egg whites and folding it in, and that's sort of what, um, you know, gives the gives the recipe some body. It's very much like the meringue part of a lemon meringue pie. So if you can imagine a, a round, uh, you know, flat hamburger bun or like those hundred calorie sandwich thins, but with the texture of meringue, <laughs> then that's kind of what it's like. So I'm not, I'm not convinced that this is going to be the, the final recipe for me, but I'll definitely try again. Maybe put in some, you know, flaxseed or or psyllium husk powder or something to try and make it uh, a bit more dense. But I do really like the flavor. The recipe is easy, you know, very low carb because um, it basically just use cream cheese and eggs. Um, so I'll, I'll, whenever I create a better one, I'll write something up and post that. Nice, very nice. You have to make so, a sandwich with it and <laughs> see how that works out. I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today with it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's how I tried it first. It was actually so I got a no sugar added grape jelly, Ugh. and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, right. Uh, I have an uh, a strawberry <laughs> one and an apricot that? one that are awful, but honestly, the grape one tastes like regular grape jelly. Hmm. And then I used a a nut butter. Which is a combination of peanut butter and coconut butter. 
uh, which is lower carb than regular peanut butter, and it was quite good. Well, all right. So uh, I think last week it was you were telling us how there was a uh, you were ran into some problems in trying to measure your your yes. stats. Yes, is that so correct. I, I went to the gym, and the device that I have been using is a scale and body fat meter was missing. Um, I earlier this week I called the gym, asked to be transferred to the uh, the trainer station. No one answered, so I got prompted to leave a voicemail, which I thought was actually pretty interesting. Instead of just saying, you know, there's no one here, call back later. So I left a very kind voicemail, and I am waiting on a return call. <laughs> yes, I could yeah. easily call back. Yes, I could easily go there and talk to someone. Um, but I have not. I see. So you haven't been back. Well, I didn't go because I didn't hear back from them. I, see. I was like, well, I don't want it to be a, a wasted trip. You know, what else would I go to the gym for than just to fucking take my measurements, right? <laughs> I see. Okay. So, but I'll, I'll right. get back to it um, as soon as possible, I'll say. <clears throat> Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to you, uh, your next... Uh, your next update. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, last week we talked about how we were going to... Evan was going to start reading Snow Crash, and James and I were going to see if we could reread it, since we'd read it before, but it had been a, probably been a little while. So, Evan, take it away. No, did you... <laughs> did you were you able to uh, start reading the book at all? Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere in chapter seven. Listened to about four hours of it. After the first hour, and I was struggling. And pretty much every hour after that. So I see, you know, on first mention um, a few weeks ago, might have been on the first podcast, and we were talking about the Domino's delivery car. Mm-hmm. You were like, "Oh, that's the that's the car from Snow Crash." I see what you're saying, and there are, there are definitely a lot of interesting things that parallel today's technology that were, you know, written about 30 years ago. Um, some of them, what do I have? Voice dialing, um, identification scan, like they went up to, you know, one of the franchise gates and they were like scanned with lasers or something. And it was like, hello, uh, hero, hello, YT, you know, so mm-hmm. they knew who they were just by doing a scan. Um, it could tell if you have any weapons or something. That kind of reminds me of going through an airport um, with their, you know, full body scans. So I thought that stuff was actually very interesting, sort of um, prophetic. Also, that compared to the population of the world, there weren't really many people who could, I guess, afford to be in the metaverse. Mm-hmm lack of technology, lack of funds or whatever. And, um, you know, the, the author clearly pointed out there's definitely, uh, there can be a discrepancy between who you are in the metaverse and who you actually are. Like, um, you know, hero was sharing a 20 by 30 house with two or three other people, but you know, he had was a sizable, um, property in, in this metaverse. 
Mm-hmm. He and his friends pulled together money and were sort of early adopters and they bought a community or they built a community. So I don't know if it's the, if it's the reader's voice uh, that sort of lulls me to sleep. I don't find it all that interesting, you know, listening so far, as you said, you know, keep listening. It gets better. I don't doubt that. I just have trouble listening for more than like 45 minutes at a time. I just, and see, I think, I think the disconnect is with the details, especially I think with James, like if you want, they talk about, uh, you know, uh, YT, which is one of the, the characters in there, yours truly, her sort of uniform or jumpsuit is like, this thing has 110 zippers and they hold all kinds of tools. And I'm like, I don't care if you want to know how many zippers it has, what's in the zippers, who makes the zippers, the history of that manufacturing company. This is the book for you. You could have just said she's wearing a vest with more, with more pockets and zippers you could ever think you would need. That's good enough for me. So, Unfortunately, I think the depth of detail is what ruins the book for me. A lot and of I don't books think like that, that's going to change. There, yeah, there are a lot of books like that, though. Yeah, I don't Just think I like those books. On and on there. and on. <laughs> I, think, I think this is a... I think the thing... So, so I, you know, I, you know, I talked to Evan earlier this week about how what he, you know, he kind of said to me this kind of thing, and... I think it's a reader, kind of the reader's choice, right? The reader's prerogative, because that book, like, I've listened to that book three times, and I did not listen to it again this week, or two times, no, three times. I did not listen to it again this week. Um, I didn't get to listen to it again, but um, the third time I listened to the book, there was an entire section on um, mematics, mematic transmission, or whatever they call it, in the book. Um, like the transition of popular memes through the whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but they talk about that, and I never, it never connected with me until the third time I listened to the book, because there's probably like two chapters dedicated to this very advanced scientific concept that's super deep and super like uninteresting and makes you want to shoot yourself in the face. Um, and I think the first time I listened to the book, I just blacked out and didn't listen to it. I was like, man, get fucked. I'm not listening to it. <laughs> um, I, like, I, I don't remember it at all. I don't remember that at all. And honestly, you could, like, put it this way. I feel like if someone made a movie of this book, they'd be like, it'd probably be like three major chapters of what's in this book. The basic story and a few little side details, you know, and, and YT and Hero and the metaverse, and then that would be it. Like, the rest of it could be just dropped, just kicked off the side of a freaking building and never and forgotten about um, it's a great book. Don't get me wrong. I love the book. I love all the story and I love the author's detail and thinking the way he thinks it through. But you definitely have to be the kind of person who looks at a story and says, okay, I really care about all the YT zippers. And for me, I, I've listened to so many audiobooks that my brain is like rigged for audiobooks. So I want the author to tell me like, I actually wrote an author um, on Facebook and said, dude, I need you. Can you send me a map of what the mall looked like on the inside? You know, and he kind of like was like, get fucked. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm not doing that, you know, um, because I was like, I want more like I want it more detail. Like I couldn't picture it. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think 
it just depends on the reader. You know, some people like this kind of stuff, some people don't. And saying, let your first audiobook be Snow Crash is like saying, let the first car you drive be a freaking DeLorean uh, from, you know, the movie. But, you know, from from the uh, whatever movie. Like, yeah, from Back oh, to the Future. The one that can fly? Yeah, super complicated car that flies and has hover pads and, you know what I mean, not a Model T. Like, that shouldn't be your first... Uh, that shouldn't be your first car. And it's the same thing here. It's pretty. It's a ridiculous book with so many details and so much information that it's a hard book to listen to, and I totally didn't get it until Evan said, man, there's a lot here, and I'm really bored. <laughs> I think I'll keep listening um, because as, as the book progresses, it seems like more story is emphasized and less details, but there are still sections of it where they bring back all the, you know, the, the small details about, you know, the, they have the goo gun or whatever. And it describes what happens when you pull your hand away and the, the fibers harden and then turn into like a smoke squirrel when they swirl, when they break. Um, and that's when, when the, the reader, uh, kind of, when they get into those details, that's when I check out. Yeah, I think... Mm-hmm. And I find it hard to get back into. There's The thing is, for this, if you're like... List, see, I think if you're, if you're thinking, oh, and Michael, you can tell me if you agree with this or not. I mean, I feel like there's three books here in Snow Crash. There's a book about Hero and YT and their adventures going between the franchises and the mobs and all that kind of stuff. Then there's another book about the metaverse, and then there's a, another book, like a small sub-book about this dog thing, the dog thing, the rat thing, um, which Evan probably hasn't reached yet. And then there's another book about mematic, about mematics or mematics or me, me, I forgot what the word is. Mimetic? Mimetic, yeah, about mimetic. Well, there's a whole there's a whole thing in the book about about viruses and things. Yeah. And uh, which Evan, you may not have gotten to yet. No, he nope. hasn't. It's like that's in like way deep in the book. So there's a whole thing about viruses, and it's very interesting because er, actually early in the book they start talking about languages and how there's all these different languages going on in the mm-hmm. in the book. Like there's taxi linga and there's this and there's that and all kinds of yeah. wild shit, right? And, and yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on, right? All these different languages, and so and of course the the whole I think the whole reason they put that in there is because a little later in the book this whole this whole virus thing they start talking about it and they think that a virus is being spread a virus can be spread just by talking hmm. basically and they think that we've been all something happened a long long time ago that inoculated all of us from that type of virus Interesting. So I don't want to I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah, but, but... I, I, it's very hard to understand the concept. Like it took me like listening to it twice to understand that concept and how it affects the thing. And honestly, the book is so deep that the author's talking about it right now. Like in the first chapters, he's talking about this concept, but and he's laying the groundwork for you to understand it. But it's so deep that if you don't look at this book as a whole unit instead of multiple instead of all these separate little chapters about separate little things, you're never gonna get it. And that's the bad thing about Snow Crash. 
I think the story as a whole is good, and I think the futurist in me loves it. And I think, like, it's kind of a precautionary tale about what society could become in a, in a very extreme case, obviously. But there's parts of it that I'm like, I could see that happening. Like, when they, the, the references to the U.S. government, I totally get that. And what happens to the United States in the book, I'm like, uh, I could see that happening in an extreme case. Um, uh, and the little franchises and everything like that, I totally get that. But I think that there's... Um, so that's how I look at the book. I think it's really cool. It's a great book. I like it, but it is hard to fucking read. <laughs> well, yeah, like like I said, there is, or like you guys were saying, there's a lot of detail in the book, and you know sometimes you just have to be like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> like I've I've seen that in other books too, you know, where yeah. they just go like for three pages, you know, if you're reading a, reading a real book. You know, like three pages of something. You're like, okay, <laughs> like, is it is it really necessary for me to know all this? You know, but mm-hmm. yeah. Tom Clancy, like I've I've said many times, he talk about like one chapter will be dedicated to like the wing motor struts of the F-15 Tomcat. You know, you're like, what is this? Like, why are we talking about? It? Like, why do we care about this right now? Or the, some some completely dead unit of fighter pilots from. World War Two. I mean, it's like all this random weird information that's all leading up to why the main character has this patch on his uniform, and you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? You know, um, <laughs> just tell me the guy's a committed fighter pilot who has a freaking fox patch on his thing, not that, you know, <laughs> whatever craziness. You know, so I, I get it. Yeah. You know, what would be interesting if there were books or you know audio books that you read in reverse. So you know the ending, but then you hear, then you read or hear about why. Hmm. I think that would probably catch some of my, some more of my attention. There's a great book for you um, <laughs> called "Girl on a Train," <laughs> which I never, okay. I couldn't finish reading. It's too gangster, but it's it takes it's like that. Like basically, the main character blacks out all the time, and stuff has happened. And it turns out, then you learn slowly throughout the book the why as to what. So you know her side of it, and you're like, oh, she's a hero. And then you kind of learn her side of it, and you're like, she's a fucking piece of trash. You know what I mean? Because, you know what I mean? And and that book you'd like, it was impossible for me to read because it's so gangster and so dark that I was just like, I can't get through this. Like, I had to put it down, and I just bookmarked where I left off at it at because it was so, it's a tough read. But it's good, it's well written, and it's excellent, and there's. This happened, and here's the why. It's exactly what you're looking for, sort of. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah. There's another book um, that they also made a movie out of, but, of course, like most movies, it can't live up to the book. Um, and But it's it's comedy. It's a comedy slash... It's like comedy horror, <laughs> if that's a genre. Um, it's called John Dies at the End. Oh, <laughs> that's, right. the name, that's the title of the book. <laughs> And the movie. Um, and it's by David Wong, who is not Asian at all. <laughs> if you guys like uh, Paul Giamatti, he's in it for like five minutes. Yes, he is. In the in the movie? Yeah. Yes. In the movie. At the end, where John dies. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to check that one out. Um, yeah, I actually have that movie on... Uh, Blu-ray. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but I do. Um, they kind of left out a whole part, a whole part of the book in the in the uh, movie, but 
that's okay. You know, the book, obviously the book is better. And there's a sequel to the book. There's another book called This Book is Full of Spiders. Mm. Um, and I don't think they've made a movie out of that one. So and that was actually an excellent book. They're both excellent books, honestly. They're both great. The same, um, the, don't worry, The Asylum will make a movie out of that. It'll be Sharknado 17. This book is full of spiders. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it would actually make a good a good movie. It's just that the first movie, they made such, they did it. They didn't, you know, they didn't do it very well. I don't think the production value is very high, personally, in the in the first movie. So, of course, it didn't do very well. Yeah. And so now they're like, oh, well, we're not going to make a sequel, you know? I mean, wasn't it like an independent film? I have no idea. It, to me, well, I hope it wasn't a major studio release because it did not look like one. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, and just so you know, the uh, the author David Wong is actually a um, he's one of the main contributors, if not one of the founders, at uh, Cracked dot com. Oh, nice! So Excellent. that's where that's where he comes from. Those guys are great. Yeah, so expect a similar level of comedic content. Yep, yep. No, but it's it's great. It is a it both John dies at the end and this book of full of spiders are they're both to me they're both hilarious and horrific at the same time which is great yeah <laughs> so did I it's a it's pretty cool did I talk to you guys uh, last week about uh, uh, at Rainbow's End did I mention that last week I think I talked about going to read it. I, I don't, don't remember a review. Yeah. So, so feel free. Yeah, so I, I I did. So this week I squeezed in a few books. I got. Um, I did. Uh, and I meant to get the other one, but I just didn't. Um, oops, and I started downloading something weird. Uh, no, no, don't download that. Okay. Uh, no, just stop. Um, yeah. I, so, uh, the rules of super villainy and the games of super villainy. I think I talked about those last week, but those are pretty good. Uh, the series isn't done. It's something outside of the realm of what I normally would read on uh, Audible, but it's actually really good. It's about a guy who just really, really wants to be a supervillain, and he can't just, it just won't work for him, but he's still doing it anyway. You know, and he's like, like, he saves a bunch of people's lives, and he's like, then he robs them. He's like, I got to, because I'm a supervillain, you know what I mean? But it's it's kind of, <laughs> it's dark and funny, and the author assumes that you know it's dark and funny, and dark things happen, and the author's like, Basically, the author doesn't delve into the dark stuff because he knows that you know life sucks. You know, um, at one point in time, the main character in his as as a child, he goes to kill his brother's murderer, and when he kills the guy, he looks inside the guy's hotel room and he sees a girl strapped to the bed. You know, who's his age? She's like sixteen. The girl's sixteen, strapped to the bed, covered in duct tape and whatever. And the, and you know. The guy doesn't say, why are you here? And, oh, here's the positive upside of me killing this guy that I saved this girl's life from God only knows what she was about to go through. They don't even touch it. They pretend like it didn't happen. They just kind of put it there in front of you and leave it there for you to process. And the female character's like, let's take his stuff and sell it. 
you know, I mean, it's like, and, you know, she's a super scarred person who's throughout his life, appears throughout his life and turns out to be one of his henchwomen in the, as he, when he's a supervillain. And it's just really weird, but it's a very good book, uh, a good series, I think, well-written, um, if not about a weird topic. Um, Rainbow's End is about, uh, it's about a world like, say, like 2065 or something. Uh, where everyone uses augmented reality and they have lenses, contact lenses that can show them this augmented reality world. And it talks about all this really cool uses of augmented reality. So if you're kind of like a futurist like me and you're really interested in future tech and future applications, it's a great book. And it approaches it from, we all know about all this technology and it doesn't work to give you exposition, which spoils a lot of books. It gives you exposition through like this guy who did have Alzheimer's, they give him the Alzheimer's cure, and he becomes healthy again, and now he's trying to rediscover his new life in this world where there's all this new technology compared to what he was used to. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a very good book. Uh, and by Werner Vinge, uh And he apparently writes a lot of space future stuff, but this is like, this one takes place on the ground in California, and it's very deep, a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, at one point, I thought, Mike, you'd find this interesting. They have something called the Library Own Project that takes place on the college campus that this guy is going to college on. And in the, on the campus, the Library Own Project is like this company comes in and, sh- and has a huge shredder where they take the books in the library and throw them in the shredder. <laughs> and then the computer, there's a, com- a cameras and lasers inside the shredder that scans the pages and recognizes the pieces like fingerprints and pieces all the books together digitally and redigitizes them. Uh, and people, of course, complaining because they're like, <laughs> dude, you're shredding books. You're getting rid of the original. They're like, no, there's a, there's a 99% chance that we're going to get all the books perfect. You know, there's a small percentage of books that are going to be screwed <laughs> up and we're not going to match, but that's all right. Um, and... It's a huge mess, turns into a big disaster, but they end up shredding all the books in the library, and it's a big fucking mess. Um, but it's a very... What the yeah, hell? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it's really cool. Uh, it's really cool how they do it, and it's really interesting how they try to fight this whole situation. And there's a lot of characters in the book that just get away with murder, and there's no resolution. But that's okay, because they're not the focus, you know? Uh, and I like that about it. So, very good book. Uh, definitely, that's a must-read, I think. It's it's kind of long. It's 14 hours or something like that. But it's really, really good, and there's lots of technology, and there's not a lot of deep craziness like in Snow Crash. So, um, that's in there, too. So, yeah, that's that's all I've got. As far, oh, yeah, and, of course, me and Michael's favorite book series, which I'm sure we'll be talking about next week like crazy, uh, is coming out with the newest book, Kill Switch, the next book in the uh, John Ledger series, Joe Ledger, John Ledger, who the fuck's that? John, in the John Ledger book series is coming out uh, by Jonathan Mayberry. You just did it again. Did I? You said John Ledger, who's that? And he's like, the John Ledger series of oh, books. Yeah. Joe Ledger, <laughs> Joseph Ledger. Um, yeah, Joe Ledger, yeah, yes. Yeah, a, by Jonathan Mayberry. Yeah, he's a great psychotic anti-hero, and he's absolutely amazing. Kill Switch? Kill Switch, yeah. Um, which nice. I can't wait to see what that's about because uh, for for the Joe Ledger books, he's referenced the Kill Switch a couple times, 
and he always refers to the kill switch. He's a very gritty, like, kind of ex-army ranger. You know, it's your basically what you'd think, but it's, it takes place in the realm of super science. So, uh, with, uh, if that means anything to you, I don't know, super science, what's that mean? <laughs> it looks like it's supposed <laughs> um, to come out on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, it's coming out on Tuesday. Nice. Um, I've already bought it, so I'll be listening to it all day Tuesday. Like, no one will hear from me for, like, three days. Um, but basically, uh, it, uh, oh. you know, the whole, Joe Ledger, all his James? shenanigans. James? Yeah. Your headset. Oh, am I sidelining again? Yep. Okay, well, anyway, guys. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. Mike, did you have anything else to contribute? Uh, no, I uh, just wanted to, I, if James wasn't going to mention it, I was going to mention the, uh, the book here that he was just talking about, uh, Kill Switch, which is not Kill Switch Engage, a, no, uh, a band. One of my favorite <laughs> bands. It's a, it is a good band. Yes, absolutely. Um, but this, uh, this would be a good book if, uh, anyone wants to, uh, sign up for Audible. Uh, Audible is one of our sponsors, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So if you go to audibletrial.com slash iopanel, you can sign up for a uh, free 30-day trial of Audible, and this could be your first book, which would be free. You could even cancel after, so you don't have to pay anything, and you would you keep the book. So just so everyone knows, um, it's an option. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be listening to this this week also. It's uh, all the all the Jonathan Mayberry books that feature Joe Ledger are awesome the first one of course is called patient zero which is kind of a zombie book but not really but uh, it does involve zombies it's a very good book and uh this is probably the i want to say this is the seventh or eighth book in the series in the joe ledger series um and they're all excellent so definitely definitely recommend uh you guys check this one out um I have a feeling James and I will be talking about it when, uh, you know, on our next podcast. So, I expect a thorough review and analysis. Absolutely, you got it. You Excellent. got it. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, again, we also we always uh, appreciate your feedback. You can email us at feedback at iopanelpodcast dot com, or get us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at IOPanelPodcast, and we'll catch up with you guys next week.
flying by.